Welcome to Mokina's Front Porch, a Mokina history podcast with Matt Gaelic and hosted by me, Israel Smith. My wife, son, and I have lived in Mokina for just over six years now, and uh, for us, one of the first things we did when we moved to town was to buy the Mokina book, uh, Mokina Images of America, which authored by Matt Gaelic. Being uh, that our house was built in 1900, we were hoping to see some old photos of our house. Uh, unfortunately, there were none of ours, uh, but we did see some neighbors' homes as well as so many of the historic and notable homes that are included in this book. As we were discovering Mokina, we would use Matt's book almost as a guide, recognizing familiar homes or looking up addresses to see what sits now where a home or historic building from that book once sat. Ever since Matt started his blog, I've been following it and I have enjoyed his articles. One day while riding the train, I had my phone read Matt's blog to me instead of reading it to myself. And it made me think that this could make an interesting podcast. Uh, I brought it up to Matt and he sounded interested and here we are. Since the first days of Mokina's history, people have been recording it in different ways, from pamphlets to newspapers, books, radio, speeches, blogs, videos, and now a podcast. And this isn't only about a past, it's about today, and it's about the people in this town and their experiences here. Our town has a rich history, both good and bad, and Matt and I are excited to have another way to share that history with you and the generations to come. I hope that you enjoy hearing about the building that we know as Little Al's today, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. Matt is a commissioner on the Will County Historical Preservation Commission, and also an author of two books about Mokina. One is Mokina Images of America, which was published in 2011, and then the 1926 Orland Park Murder Mystery, uh, which was uh, published in 2018. And then, of course, Matt has his blog that goes on uh, that he's been writing for a while now. How long have you been doing your, your blog, Matt? Um, that started around, I started doing that right around the time of the uh, pandemic. So that would have been around uh, spring of 2020. So um, over two years now. Any idea how many articles you've done already? No, I actually don't offhand. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, I generally do about two a month. So however much that is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, what would you say in town? What is your favorite uh, current or former building oh, wow. in town? Oh, it's so hard to pick from all of them. Um, of course, I really like the one I'm going to talk a little about today, which is the uh, old brick building on Front Street that is now home to Little Al's Bar and Grill, one of the oldest uh, buildings in town, uh, steeped in local history. Uh, another one I like is, the, uh, or really love, is the, uh, the old historic building that held the Wanamaker Saloon. In years, excuse me, years past, that was um, how would I describe where that is? It's one door west of where a Curtain Call Theater is now, uh, for, or for uh, those of us who still know that building is Carver's Pharmacy, uh, one door west of there, the building that used to hold a pizza for all those years. Uh, really, really great building. A lot of history there. Yeah, yeah. 
All right, good. How about what got you interested in in Mokin in history? Oh wow. Um, I just have always been interested in history as far back as I can remember. Um, and I guess what really spurred it forward was a family trip to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania that my parents and I made when I was about 10 years old, I want to say. And being able to stand where history happened at that point uh, really kind of turned me into a Civil War buff, uh, of which I still am today, my favorite part of history. And uh, But at that point, and coming home and realizing uh, that history is not just stuck in really far off places that you read about uh, in the textbooks or whatever that you learn about in school. It's literally everywhere. And in, uh, in our case, it's right in our own backyard. And uh, what kind of got that going was right around this same time, the Mokina Women's Club was starting to restore Pioneer Cemetery on Wolf Road. And uh, it was always a place I never paid too much attention to growing up. But at that point, it was about 10 or 11 years old, seeing it um, sort of almost like come back to life uh, and uh, learning the story of uh, Charles Denny, our revolutionary veteran who's buried there, and uh, all the other people uh, who wound up there really uh, sparked my interest. And uh, I dove in back then and uh, have never looked back. So. Wow. Yeah. Did anybody inspire you? Think there's anybody um, that has inspired you in your thirst for your history knowledge? Good question. Um, Let's see. Well, if anybody, if I could say anybody, I think I'd have to say my great grandmother, who I was lucky enough to know very well. Um, As I was growing up, she was a person a lot like me, very interested in history. And, um, was a person that by the time I came along, she was very advanced in years and pretty much 100% lived in the past. Uh, so uh, we talked, I was very interested in genealogy as well. We talked a lot about our family history and uh, it kind of hit me how cool it was to have someone at my fingertips who had memories, many memories of growing up in the World War One era in the 1920s. Uh, so I think I can kind of uh, give her a lot of that credit too. All right. Well, uh, I'm excited about this. Let's let's get into talking about uh, the Little Owls building. It's the face of our community and easily the most prominent historic landmark in town, this time-honored and weathered brick building on Front Street. To see it is like beholding the face of an old friend. I still remember seeing my first ever vintage photograph of Mokina as a five-year-old. An ancient view of this place in Dr. Robert Sterling's seminal A Pictorial History of Will County, and being awed at the age of this old spot even then. In passing by on a daily basis, I can't help but to notice, no, to feel the stories of hundreds of Mokinians who have called this place theirs for well over a century, either in maintaining their residence here running a business at this spot, or just making it a home away from home. It has seen countless comings and goings and untold beers poured and kegs tapped. It's none other than 11034 Front Street or the building that is now home to Little L's Bar and Grill. When you have a story as long as this one, the best place to start is at the beginning. Anyone who is an old Mokina hand 
will be familiar with the storied Sheik family. Among the first settlers of Germanic origin to what would later be Mokina, the Sheiks fled their homeland at a time of tumult and revolution and arrived in our neck of the woods in August 1848 via the small village of Neckarbischofsheim in what is today southwestern Germany. The family unit came as one, made up of patriarch and matriarch Georg Heinrich and Juliana Rosina Schick, as well as their seven children. Their second oldest then living, Johann, was born on June 1st, 1825 in the old European hometown. John, as he came to be called after he got settled here, was working the family farm by 1850 and came to maintain a saloon and inn called the Western Hotel in the new town of Mokina with his wife, Helena, as early as 1859, a mere seven years after the Rock Island Railroad was completed. Well, he tried his hand at farming again in the period immediately after the Civil War and into the 1870s, uh, eventually coming to own two farms just outside town, the beer and hostelry business lured John Sheik back. In September 1873, Sheik bought a lot in Mokina from Luxembourgers Bernard and Anna Maria Fulman for $1,600, which today is the site of Little L's Bar Grill. At the time Sheik came into possession of the property, there was already a building on it, which in all likelihood was not the structure that stands today. What exactly its function was is lost to the ages, but it appears to have been at least 10 years old and may have been the hotel of the Fulman's Civil War veteran son, Henry. What the fate of the original building was, whether Fulman or Sheik moved it or had it wrecked, has long since dissolved in the fog of history. However, it's worth noting that John Sheik lost a building in the village due to an attack of arson in the fall of 1875. Contemporary accounts of the blaze were not made with readers 145 years into the future in mind, and thus they leave no indication where this structure stood in town. Could it be that today's 11034 Front Street is where this fire happened? and that the current edifice was built to replace the lost one? Without any hard documentation from the time as to these specifics, it all remains open to question. Another fact that remains elusive at this late date is when exactly today's building was built. Popular local lore has it that this structure was the first erected in Mokina, but closer examination of this legend reveals it to be confused with an inn built in 1853 by John Sheik's brother-in-law, Carl Gall, a year after the arrival of the Rock Island Railroad. A painstaking examination of property records indicates that Gall's position, pardon me, possession, was further west, at the northeast corner of what is today Front Street and Wolf Road, a location that, decades later, local old-timers would remember Gauls in occupying. Our structure today is constructed in a style that architects would easily recognize as having vernacular aspects of the Italianate style, featuring elaborately carved wooden bracketed cornices under the building's front gabled roof and tall, narrow windows on the second floor with curved crowns. That these architectural details were in vogue in the American Midwest in the era following the Civil War would likely place the construction of this building 
in the time of John Sheik's ownership of the lot, he likely having built it around 1875 or thereabouts. Even the clay that makes up the countless bricks in this structure is worthy of note, as it came from a long-forgotten pit near the Rock Island tracks south of today's Francis Road, where it was baked in a kiln on site. John Cheek's beer hall occupied the new building's first floor. A patron, perhaps a railroad man or a farmhand whose work was done for the week, would have seen the room's stamped tin ceiling and long polished bar with a big mirror gracing the back bar. Not unusual in this time would be a towel or two hanging off the bar's edge, a convenience for customers to dab beer froth from their mustaches. He could even expect spittoons on the floor and a brass footrail on the bar, all complete in the 19th century style. Talk of the harvest, politics, and local gossip would have abounded within these four solid walls. As most Mokinians of the day were of Germanic birth or heritage, Beer would have flowed freely here, along with bourbon and rye, also being common drinks of choice in these early years. John Cheek was in good company when he first threw open his doors at this spot, as he was joining the other six saloons in town at the time, all run by fellow Germans. At around the same time the building was completed, Cheek also conducted a livery stable in Mokina. Whether or not this business ran in conjunction with the saloon remains an open question. The new building quickly came to be referred to as the Brick Hotel in the mouth of Mokinians, as rooms were rented out here to those passing through town. As late as the 1970s, one barkeeper claimed remnants of these confined spaces and their wallpaper were still visible in the basement. Two separate exterior entrances led to the overnight spaces. One was an outside staircase that led down to the basement from the street level just to the west of the main entrance, which over the years also proved to be a handy delivering spot for barrels of beer. In later years, a walk-in cooler stood across from this spot in the basement. Another entry was a doorway to the east of the main entrance that led upstairs to more space for weary travelers. Both of these portals have long since been bricked over. John Cheek was noted as keeping business in the Brick Hotel by a Jolietan traveler to our village in 1877, and had the misfortune to have his chandelier come tumbling down in the summer of 1879. In a colossal understatement, one account described the mishap as smashing things generally. Cheek was still at the old stand in 1880, the historic year of Mokina's incorporation, and a year later, he rented his concern to local farmer Nicholas Marty and William Becker, the town's doctor. Their tenure slinging beer was short, however, for John and Helena Sheik's oldest son, Charles, began running the show here right after New Year 1882. In this era, the place was called the National Hotel, and the correspondent to the Joliet Republic, a local known only as Frank, beamed that Charles would keep a first-class house, and also promised that he'd give the boys an opening dance. A short time later, the paper noted that the younger Sheik had settled into the Brick Hotel and, giving him some free advertising, said that he sets a good table, takes care of his friends, and keeps good beer and fine wines and liquors. That Charles Sheik's was the place for merrymaking in Mokina is plainly displayed by the accounts of the many parties, masquerades, and even grand balls that were held there throughout the 1880s. 
The combination saloon-hotel also served a dual purpose, namely as that of a meeting place. Starting on December 5th, 1883, the Mokina Village Board under Mayor Isaias McGovney began using part of Sheik's basement to hold their monthly gatherings. For supplying them with space, the town dads paid the saloon keeper $4.50 a month, or around $125 in today's money. Village elections were also held in the basement from time to time. Imagine Charles Sheik's disappointment when incoming mayor Noble Jones knocked down the rent to a mere $1.50 a month in the spring of 1884. The Brick Hotel could occasionally be a rough-and-tumble place. Toward the end of July 1880, a local troublemaker named Jacob Weber savagely beat an Irishman for some long-forgotten offense here. Perhaps too romantically referred to as a youthful desperado by the Joliet son, Weber kicked and pounded in a disgraceful manner the unnamed Irish railroad worker who was too intoxicated to fight back. Lucky for peace and order, Weber was arrested immediately and hit with a $10 fine. Unfortunately, it wouldn't be his last violent offense in the village. The sometimes rough atmosphere is further evidenced by a grisly barroom brawl in early March 1891. During this bloodletting, farmer John Huweiler stabbed fellow agriculturist Myron Jordan a trifle above the eye with a knife. The blow was such a severe one that the blade of the dagger broke off in Jordan's skull. An old Union soldier, Jordan lived with the blade embedded in his cranium for five ghastly years until it was finally surgically removed in 1896. The structure itself was also not free of issues, even in these early years. The Village Board of Health visited the property in November 1881, and in a bewildered report, found that the basement floor was covered with water and that a bad leak in the roof had gotten into four upper rooms. They declared the building in a dangerous condition to live on account of dampness and ordered the Sheiks to remedy the problems. John Sheik, the father of this landmark, died of Bright's disease complicated by the flu in February 1890. In testament to his prominent standing in the village, as well as his having held a trusteeship in town at his passing, the mayor and village trustees issued a resolution of respect expressing their sorrow over his passing. His mortal remains found their final resting place in St. John's Cemetery, just south of Mokina. As is the case for many areas of our community's history, happenings in this location aren't easy to bring into focus during the 1890s. A lack of hard sources such as local newspapers and clear recollections for this specific portion of the village's history contribute to this blank spot, these dark ages on the record of our years. What is known, however, is that during the exciting days of the Great World's Columbian Exposition of Chicago in 1893, the Brick Hotel was home to a saloon run by Frank Moriarty, part of a well-known farming family whose acreage was situated just west of Mokina, Moriarty submitted his first dram shop bond to the village in January 1892, and his last in October of the following year. It may not have been this family's first foray into business here, as there is evidence that Frank's older brother, auctioneer Charles Moriarty, may have briefly conducted a watering hole here as early as 1887. 
Nevertheless, the exact nature of the Moriarty's involvement in business here remains hazy, as they appear to have run another saloon further west down Front Street in the same period at the end of the 19th century, and the few extant records of the day don't differentiate between the two establishments. The old basements still serve as council chambers for the village board during this time frame, with the arrangement that Frank Moriarty furnished the light in these days before electric illumination beamed in Mokina. By the end of the decade, the board was holding its meetings elsewhere. As if these years couldn't get any murkier, it's known that by some point in the 1890s, the property came into the hands of George Goyther, member of an old Frankfurt Township tribe. What was happening at this location during the Goyther years has been difficult to pin down. It is known that a man from Braceville, whose name is alternately recorded as James Powell or Rowell, set up a saloon here in 1898, but this, like Frank Moriarty's venture, appears to have been a very short-lived concern. Within a year, one George Hayter opened a barber shop in the basement. The turn of the 20th century is a very unique time in the story of this place as it marks the only era in its entire history in which it wasn't a saloon or an inn. Known around town as Goither Hall, at least two of Mokina's churches used the building to hold functions, such as the socials held here by the German United Evangelical St. John's Church in the fall of 1901, and also the Baptist Sunday School and services that took place at this spot, as this congregation had just lost their own building in a court battle with the local Methodists. Not to be left out, the newly formed and modernly named 20th Century Band held practice here. A turning point in this landmark's history dawned when Frank E. Hirsch moved in, taking over the saloon facilities of Charles Miller of Joliet, who had been in business here for less than a year. Hirsch welcomed guests to his grand opening on December 15, 1902, and served a bowl of oysters with every beer on Christmas Day. The first day of business was even noticed by the Joliet News, but it wasn't necessarily good press. Under the headline, Hilarious Saloon, the correspondent sarcastically equipped that if noise and drunkenness are essential to the proper opening of a saloon, it was a success. Prominent citizens were seen amongst the revelers, and village constable Oscar Close was even summoned to deal with some out-of-town people who got into a mix-up. Frank Hirsch's start in the watering hole business ushered in a long era of stability, breaking the chain of fleeting enterprises here. From our standpoint in the year 2020, from our standpoint in the year 2022, we'd be remiss not to take a closer look at this longtime owner and proprietor, as his family name is one of those writ largest in Mokina's history. Born on December 29, 1862 in Mokina, the family of his father was one of the few to proudly say that they had arrived here on the wild prairie before Mokino was built. After the Rock Island Railroad came 10 years prior to his birth, Hirsch's father became a prominent figure in community business circles, owning a store and eventually running the grain elevator. The Hirsch's also came into possession of a big farm at the northwest side of today's Wolf Road and 195th Street, which in later years would be worked by Frank's brothers who were considered to be some of the leading dairymen in the region. Frank Hirsch grew up in Mokina, and after marrying local girl Filipina Zan in 1884, moved to Blue Island and then to Chicago, where he worked as a fireman for the Rock Island, feeding coal into the fireboxes of puffing, soot-spitting locomotives. 
After being gone from the old hometown for 17 years, the Hirsches moved back to Mokina, where all paths led Frank to saloon keeping. In Hirsch's era, as well as those before him, the saloon was strictly the domain of men, with no women being allowed entry as customers, at least not to those of a proper upbringing. Inside, the barroom was thick with cigar smoke, a place where local men congregated to engage in dominoes or long card games such as scat or euchre. A hearty meal could be had at Hirsch's as well, with Filipina Hirsch being long remembered for her skills in the kitchen. It would later be recalled that during hunting season, roast raccoon would even be on the menu. An integral part of Frank Hirsch's life as a saloonist was the annual ice harvest. In the years before modern refrigeration, village tavern owners relied on huge blocks of ice sawed out of Hickory Creek in the dead of winter to cool their beer, which was stored in specially built ice houses to last the whole year. During the cold winter of January 1903, the local crystal was about a foot thick and took Hirsch and his helper Erhard Oswald two days to cut. Early on in the Hirsch years, the place was starting to show its age. It got spruced up when two to five feet of crumbling brick along the top of the building were replaced in May 1903. Frank Hirsch installed a new beer cooler in his basement right after, and in the spring of 1912 had a small brick addition built onto the north side of the main structure. Typical of everyday hassles around the bar was the swarm of bees that took up residence in a crevice in the saloon's window in July 1909. They were back the following March, and said to be merrily flying about the place. They were still there in May, when Bill Semler, Mokina's correspondent to the Joliet News, said they were making things interesting around the old place. A well-known face around town, Frank Hirsch was elected by his fellow townsmen to the office of village trustee in 1912, an office he held until 1916. With the coming of national prohibition and the passage of the Volstead Act in 1920, history hasn't left us any details as to how this affected Hirsch and his business, although one source whimsically lists him as a cafe owner in 1928. With the repeal to the 18th Amendment in 1933, he was able to legally sell beer and hard spirits again and was going as strong as ever. Frank Hirsch hung up his apron in 1941 after 39 years selling beer in the same spot. At this time, he rented the business to his son, Frank Jr. The younger Hirsch held a grand reopening, modernized the place by adding electric refrigeration, and also opened a special room in the brick building for events. Yet another juncture in the grand tradition of this location came in the history-making year of 1945, at which time Richard and Eleanor Mueller purchased the bar from the Hirsch family after more than four decades of their ownership. The Mullers held their opening for the new tavern on May 12, 1945, at a time when the village and the rest of the country was in a state of euphoria over the end of the Second World War in Europe, the event having only taken place five days previously. Like the Hirsches, the family name Mueller is one that occupies no small space in Mokina's long history. Richard Arno Mueller was the second owner of this establishment to have been born in Germany, first entering the world on May 16, 1910, in a town called Froburg in the country's east. After being brought to America by his parents at the tender age of three months, the family originally called Joliet home before settling in Mokina in 1923. 
Much like his forebearer, Frank Hirsch, the 13-year-old would inherit a business tradition in our community as his father, Martin Mueller, would open a butcher shop a little further east down Front Street the year they moved to town. When Richard and Eleanor Mueller first took over the Old Brick Tavern in 1945, they and their four-year-old daughter, Barbara, lived in what is today the place's kitchen, while the former inn space on the second floor was being converted into a three-bedroom apartment. Within two years of their start here, Mildred and Tex Morris were running a restaurant in conjunction with the tavern where 65 cents could get a hungry patron lunch. Later on, a gentleman whose last name was Roman sold pizzas as well. In the early 1960s, Richard Mueller made some significant improvements around the building, namely sealing off the front street facing basement entrance and having the large stone platform in front of the main entrance removed a relic from the days of horse-drawn carriages. One local observer at the time said that Mueller's was the hub of many activities in town, with a fixture at the tavern over the years being feather parties, the name given to lively get-togethers where dressed turkeys and live ducks and geese would be raffled off to attendees. Rick Mueller, the son of proprietors Richard and Eleanor, simply remembers them as the best time ever. The turkeys were brought in from a farm in Manhattan, while the live fowl was ferried into Mokina via pickup truck. On the night of a party, the ducks and geese would all be kept on the building's back porch until they were handed out to the winners. It wouldn't be unheard of for a hundred boxed turkeys to be raffled off in a night. Rick Mueller remembers the inside of the tavern being so packed on feather party nights that it was hard to walk. During a party, 60 wooden paddles would be sold for 25 cents each. Then a wheel would be spun numbered 1 to 60. If the number the wheel landed upon corresponded to a sold paddle, then the patron won a turkey. While Mueller was never awake late enough to see the ducks and geese get dispersed, he does remember that on the morning after, the tavern's floor would be covered with feathers. During Mokina's fabled annual homecoming celebrations, the Mueller's Tavern was always a focal point. In addition to the various carnival rides and games that were set up along Front Street, Richard Mueller would build a beer garden in the establishment's driveway, complete with a big bar and lights strung up. In addition to the usual beverages, such as beer and hard liquor, Rick Mueller remembers it being an exciting time for neighborhood kids, as the selection of pop in the beer garden was significantly larger than it normally was at the tavern. During the year, only Coke, 7-Up, and Squirt would be on hand. But during homecoming, little bottles of Canfield's cherry, black cherry, strawberry, root beer, and cream soda could be had. After the infamous homecoming of 1956, when a tornado-like storm swept into town and toppled a pole that injured a reveler, festgoers thronged Mueller's to get out of the weather, and before all was said and done, their soaked clothing left at least a quarter inch of water on the historic building's floor. At the same time, a large tree in the backyard was struck by lightning, its toppling having the misfortune to crush Rudy and Irene Kernat's new Ford Auto that they had just won through drawing sponsored by St. Mary's Church. After Richard Mueller's untimely passing in 1965, his widow Eleanor ran the show at the tavern until it was sold to Pete and Ron Mikelski in November of 1966. In the earliest years of the 1970s, Bonnie Clegg tried her hand at barkeeping here, wistfully calling the place Bonnie's Never In, 
or alternately, the old hotel inn. Mukina was still very much a rural place in this era, as it wasn't unusual for customers to ride up on horses and hitch them up behind the building. After the tenure of Bonnie Clegg, the tavern came into the hands of World War II veterans Dick and Bob Fortman. Then it became the property of Joe Walsh, who towards the end of the 1970s changed the name of the establishment to the Mokina Inn. He sought to usher in an era of change to the old landmark, as the bar had recently been saddled with something of an unsavory reputation. Just after he took over, Walsh recounted that arguments were being settled with fistfights or bottles smashed over unsuspecting heads. In 1977, he overhauled the place by completely gutting the first floor and lowering the ceiling of the ancient bar room, covering the historic stamped tin that once covered it. He also had the vines scraped off the building and covered half of each huge front window with board. 20 pounds of bees, in annoyance at this location for at least two decades, if not more, were also removed from a cornice. In the mid-1980s, the property passed through another set of hands until 1985, when it was sold to Al Pizzato, who promptly opened Little Al's Bar and Grill in this historic location, which remains open to thirsty customers to this day. He's been at the old stand for 35 years and counting, and is now a veritable king of Front Street. Incidentally, this knightly honor is also shared by Bob Brainig, who in the same year opened Mokina Video, on the opposite end of Front Street, also still in operation today. The Old Brick Hotel, this timeless, priceless landmark, is a font of local flavor and antiquity. This author would like to think of all the faces, voices, and tales of years gone by uh, that have been retained by the building, all stored in its craggy masonry for eternity. If there was only a way to tap into it, like so many kegs have been, we'd be swept away in a tidal wave of Mokina history. All right, that was great, Matt. Thank, Thank you, you for sharing that with Absolutely. us. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. So it looked like there were about 14 owners of, of that building. Yeah, that would, yeah, that would sound time. right. That, that we know of. There may even have been more. Um, there are there are hazy periods um, in the building's history. But yeah, I mean, there's at least 14. Wow. For all those years been there. And there's a little bit about there about um, the two buildings might be mixed up. Like there might be some history about a bar that was down this down the street by a was it a brother, correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, so John Sheik is uh, is pretty much who we think was the builder of the property and the first um, uh, owner, what have you, of the bar saloon slash hotel and yeah over the years of uh there's always been kind of like the story around town that little al's is the oldest building in town well it's definitely one of the oldest however i think the story about it being the oldest comes from the fact that a little bit of the early history got mixed up because john sheik so first owner his brother-in-law was a guy by the name of Carl Gall, uh, opened up the first inn in Mokina in 1853, uh, not even a year after the Rock Island was built. And I think that over the years, this business, which was further west down Front Street, sort of got convoluted um, 
into the building that is now Little Elves. Do we have any idea where, uh, like, where that building was? Yeah, that building that the establishment that was run by Mr. Gall, Carl Gall, so John Sheik's brother-in-law. That building stood over on the uh, that would have been the northeast corner of Front Street and Wolf Road where uh, about where Dr. Patterson's is now. Um, although that building has been gone um, for years and years. It, it burnt down in the, that would have been, I believe, the 1880s, 1870s maybe. But in that range, it's for well, well over 100 years been gone. So, uh, and you talked a little bit about the village, um, the hall, uh, village meeting there. Is there a village hall for a while? Yeah, pretty much, um, yeah. So... Do you know, was that the first place that they met or do you know where they met before that or? Good question. That was, that was one of the first places that the mayor and the trustees were meeting when they held their village board meetings. Uh, the very first place they met was actually right next door. Uh, next door, uh, one door going to the east, which is now the, I believe that's uh, Gino Pichola's, if he's listening, I hope I pronounced your last name right. Um, his uh, insurance, or is it real estate? real estate? Real estate, real estate. Yeah, he just moved in there. And the last, at the time, that was that was uh, Valentine Shares Harness Shop, and uh, he was one of the trustees. Uh, so they had an in with him, and they used one of his rooms to hold their meetings. But uh, yeah, they they made their way over to the Chic Saloon uh, within a few years of that, and uh, were using it for a fair amount of time there. And do you know where they went from there? Not offhand, I could I could find out. Uh, they the village board, they kind of before the, the first village hall was built in 1916, they kind of just bounced around town. Um, for a while, they met at at Cher's Harness Shop. Then they met here at the Sheep Saloon. Uh, let me see. For a while, I bet I bet without having all my files and stuff in front of me right now, I bet the place they went to after. Sheik Saloon was probably what was called the Mokina Hall, which was a building that was operated by a local guy by the name of John A. Hatch, who um, uh, Mokina people will know. He's a big figure in the history of town. Um, but uh, we don't know where in town that building was. Um, he later moved. He later moved the hall to another location in town, uh, which is now Zap Tacos, um, which that could be another topic. For sure. Day. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. But they've, they've met all over the place. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and I, I thought it was interesting. It was a church for a while, too. That's, uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's gone the full round there for sure. Yes, it definitely has. Yeah. Uh, and of the, so there are 14 different owners and it looked like there were, only two times that uh, women have been involved in running running the bar. That is correct. With um, Ms. Eleanor Mueller. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, Bonnie, Bonnie Clegg. Bonnie Clegg, yeah. Do you know any more about either of them? Um, not really in any depth. Uh, Mrs. Mueller kind of took over after her husband, Richard, passed away. Uh, in 1965, and she kind of kept up the place for a little while before she sold the business. And uh, Bonnie Clegg, 
she's a person that's still remembered uh, by a lot of Mokina people uh, in town. Um, in fact, whenever I think of her, uh, I think of um, actually kind of kind of tragic bit of Mokina's history. Bonnie Clegg had a daughter, Cheryl Madsen, who uh, tragically died when she oh, she was young. She had to be about junior high age. I want to say uh, she passed away after she was hit by a car in Mokina. Uh, so um, when, when I think of Bonnie Clegg, that's unfortunately what I think of. But um, but she's still remembered. Hmm. A fair amount of people in town, yeah, her business. Well, that's really interesting. Um, you know, obviously, Little Al's is a building that uh, everybody in town knows, whether oh, yeah. <laughs> however they feel about it, one or the other. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, again, to know a building that's had the history, such an extensive history in almost almost as long as, as the town, it's yeah, it's, sure. uh, yeah. it's a neat place to stop in for sure. Yeah, and uh, meet right. a cast of characters oh, from town. Definitely do, yeah. Um, well, this is great. Matt, where is, can you tell us where your blog is? Tell us a little bit yeah. about your blog. Absolutely. So my blog, you can find it at, uh, the URL is oldmokina.blogspot.com. Uh, and, uh, if you're a part of the, uh, what's it called? The, you know, you're from Mokina when facebook group as there are thousands of people who are a part of that uh i always post uh whenever i add something new to the blog i i let the facebook group know so lots of people access it through my link in the facebook group but um yeah you can uh you can log on you can subscribe so you'll get a notification an email sent to you whenever i post something new um or uh if uh, you're facebook friends with me uh i also post a update on my own page uh, and we'll be sure to link to uh, wherever wherever you're finding this podcast. We'll put a link in that uh, to Matt's podcast, Matt's uh, blog as well. A lot of interesting stories, and I hope we get a chance to to cover a lot of those yeah. uh, uh, here. So Definitely. I'm uh, uh, excited to be doing this, Matt. I appreciate Absolutely. you doing this. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for tuning into the first episode of Mokina's Front Porch. Also, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening to this or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to us there and you get notifications when new episodes become available. And please share this and future episodes with your friends and your neighbors and your family. We'd really appreciate that. You can find our Facebook page at Mokina's Front Porch. And please let us know what you want to hear about or who you think we should talk to that would be a good source of Mokina history. Thanks again.